Welcome to Between the Two of Us. I'm Jen Alley. I'm a licensed professional counselor, and my goal is to make therapeutic concepts and neurobiology accessible while normalizing your experience as a human being. In these episodes, I offer practical strategies to improve your relationships and your life. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, and welcome back to Between the Two of Us. This is your host, Jen Alley, and this is episode two. We are going to talk today about navigating grief during the holidays and how to care for others or support others who are grieving. This is a little bit of a heavier topic. I would recommend popping in your earbuds as we might be talking about things that you don't want little ears to be hearing. And I think it's such an important topic because the truth is, is that grief is within us and it's also all around us. Not all of the time, but grief is something that happens We think of it kind of traditionally as maybe when someone dies, and certainly it is that, and we're going to be talking a lot about that today, but it also can be the response to something hard happening or after trauma or after a divorce or a breakup or experiencing loneliness and sadness during the holidays. Grief is a really common response. In fact, I think of a lot of work as a mental mental health professional is helping my clients navigate grief at the bottom of a lot of different things that they come in for. There is grief there. And I think it's important to think about, you know, our society really struggles to acknowledge grief. Like Western culture really wants us to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and just get over it or get on with it. And as a mental health professional, I can tell you that grief can sometimes be a full body experience that can just sort of take over. We're going to talk later today about the manifestations of grief. But if you are in grief and you are struggling and you are having a hard time just doing normal life stuff, that makes so much sense because grief is so powerful and it sometimes can just really be so much in our bodies. And it can impact everything, right? It impacts how we're relating to people and even like our brain function. We might feel a lot of brain fog or have a hard time interacting with people. So let's talk for just a moment about why I wanted to talk about this. Like what brings me to this point? As I said, a lot of the work that I do with clients is grief work. I also used to volunteer for hospice on the bereavement side. So I would work with families and loved ones after the death of their person. And it was such an important thing for me to do. I learned so much during that time. And also, it also helped me in my own grief process. You know, I think it's important to share here. I was a survivor of the 1999 shooting in Col- at Columbine High School that was in Littleton, Colorado. And an example of kind of Western culture and my experience of it then, so that's kind of where trauma meets grief, right, is that when we went back to school that fall, so it happened April 20th of 1999, when we went back to school in the fall, there was a very much a felt sense that we were just supposed to sort of go on with it. They were trying to make things as normal as possible. In fact, there was even a lot of conflict between the parents of the kids who had died and between the school district. The school district wanted to just rebuild the library, which was where a lot of the kids had been killed, whereas the parents of the kids understandably wanted a brand new construction. They just felt like they did not want that space to be 
built again. And so again, just this idea that like, even in the middle of like trauma and grief, that maybe culture is just trying to push us back into like everything being the same. And what I really want to stress today is that there's usually a before and an after with grief. And that might, you know, be different depending on like what the grief is around, but very rarely does anything return to normal. And so I just want to normalize that like, that's not the goal. The goal isn't to get back to how things were. If we have lost someone that we loved, if someone has died, our life is never going to be exactly the same without that person. And likely our holidays will never be the same. So that hole or that sadness or that grief will be there long-term. If you have had a child die particularly, right? Like there are going to be developmental milestones across time where you experience that death in a different and a new way. You know, I think a lot about the families who lost kids at Columbine and unfortunately in so many subsequent shootings where it's just like every anniversary, every holiday, right, brings up not only like the original grief and loss, but also the sense of like where that person would have been today in their life. I also was listening to a podcast which was really powerful about this woman who her parents had died when she was young and her talking about as she had her own child and not being able to talk to her mom about that or to know what she was like, you know, when she was little because her mom died when she was really young. And so I think, again, just knowing that like grief is something that lives inside of us and it changes over time. But the goal isn't just to get it to go away. I know it can be really uncomfortable, but I think it's more like we grieve to the degree that we love and we have to anticipate that part of grief work is to be able to move through it in a way that we are integrating that loss into a life that has meaning and value and love. A different life, right? A changed life, but and but it's still a part of us. It's not like we're trying to exterminate it or something like that. Let's talk now a little bit about how I often describe grief to clients. You know, There's a lot of different metaphors, but one of the ones that feels really true to me is that grief is like being in the ocean. And sometimes you're just bobbing along and other times a huge wave comes and it knocks you off your feet and you don't know if you'll ever be able to hit the air again or breathe again. But sure enough, you do and then you bobble along, but you don't really know when that next wave is coming. And I think it's also important to know that because of the way our brains work, we don't know what will trigger our grief, right? If something touches a neural network that knows something about that person or that grief. So for example, if I walk into a house and I smell spaghetti cooking, it might take me back to my grandmother and I might immediately have a memory of her making spaghetti before I would come, right? And that could be a pleasant memory or it could be unpleasant depending on our experience. And so we just have to know that like part of the tricky part about grief is that we don't know when it's going to get triggered, but we certainly know that holidays are something that often triggers the grief if it's not just like ever present with you. I think it's also important to know that sometimes the anticipation of the holidays and the time leading up to the dates or the anniversaries 
can be really just as difficult, if not even more so than the day itself. So for a lot of people, like a lot of my clients, the weeks leading up to the holidays are so painful. I had a client who her son had died and man, just like leading up to the holidays, leading up to his birthday, any of those leading up to the anniversary of his death, those weeks leading up were just so tough with so many memories. And so whether it's you going through this grief or whether it's someone you know, just kind of tucking that away, knowing that like that's really normal. It's hard, but it's normal that like sometimes the time leading up is even as hard, if not harder than the day itself. I also think it's important to know that like we wish that we could make grief linear and black and white. And as you know, there's a lot of people who have tried to put it in frameworks. And I think all of that work is really relevant in terms of giving us an idea about what the emotions are with grief and different kind of phases people might go through. But I also want you to know that like your grief is really unique to you. It's not going to look like anyone else's. It's not going to feel like anyone else's in the same in the sense that it's not necessarily going to even be the same as someone that you live with, which can be so challenging, right? Like, let's say that you and your partner lost a child. Well, the really tricky thing is, is that you're probably not going to be at the same place in terms of your grief or your emotional experience or what you need at the same time ever. And that, that can create some conflict, right? I mean, I'm thinking back to a client I saw years ago and it was really hard for her because her partner wanted to connect through sex or through physical intimacy in order as part of his grief process. But for her, it did not feel good for her to do that. And so and there's not a right or wrong. That's not bad or good, right? It's just super tricky because people are experiencing things differently. So I just want to say that too, that like, if like, let's say that there's been a death in your family, maybe the death of like a parent and you're an adult, you might have a really different need and a different even feelings about that parent than your siblings, which again can create problems. Like for some people, when someone dies, it's like all they think about are the, are the good things and they kind of forget all the challenges of that person. But maybe for your sibling, they're just overwhelmed with the negative parts of that person. So I think we have to offer a lot of grace and compassion because we are not going to be at the same place as a different person. But again, that doesn't make us right and them wrong. We're just in a different phase and we're remembering things differently and what's coming up for us is different and likely even what we need is different. So if there can be clear communication about what we need, that might be really helpful. Let's talk now about some of the normal manifestations of grief and loss. This list is not complete, of course. Again, everybody goes through different things. I'm going to link this in the show notes. So if you would like to have a copy of the normal manifestations of grief and loss, you can just go to jenally.com forward slash podcast, or you can also look at the show notes to see that linked. So normal manifestations of grief and loss. We know that a lot of people have a lot of mood swings. There's a plethora of feelings, everything from anger to guilt to sadness to rage, right? There's just the whole gamut of emotions there. 
sometimes people need to retell and retell and retell stories about their loved one and the death experience in order to make sense of it, in order to make it feel real. Some people, on the other hand, don't want to talk about it. Maybe it feels overwhelming for them to talk about it. You might feel a sense or feeling of the loved one's presence. A lot of times there's a lot of sleep disruptions like insomnia or extreme wakefulness during grief. You might also have tightness in your throat, unexpected or unpredictable bouts of crying. You might feel like you need to take care of other people or to protect them. Also, I think people kind of wander aimlessly during grief. A lot of times it's hard to focus. It's hard to like feel like you have a purpose or to know what you're supposed to be doing. There's also maybe denial, disbelief, maybe feeling out of control or helpless. Also feelings of emptiness, restlessness, heavy chest. Maybe it's tricky to complete tasks, even simple ones. Again, it might be really hard to focus or to concentrate. You might experience extreme anger even at the person who has died or the situation that happened. And also our appetite might change. We might experience overeating or undereating. A lot of times it's common to be in shock for about the first six weeks after the death of a loved one or after the death of someone That's not always the case, but I think it's an important thing to kind of keep in mind that we might have a lot of shock or numbness. We might have fatigue or exhaustion. All the gamut of feelings are really normal. Anxiety, relief even, irritability, loneliness, depression, sadness, anger, blame, resentment, embarrassment, lowered self-esteem, self-doubt, wanting to withdraw from people, wanting to just alienate and move away from people, or on the other hand, a greater dependency on others or a reluctance to be away from people. Maybe there's like a fear response that if I let this person out of my sight, they also might die. And finally, there might be spiritual consequences. So things like bargaining with God, anger with God, or even like a loss of belief that those are all really common things, or maybe a new set of beliefs where there wasn't. Maybe you didn't believe in God and then all of a sudden some, something terrible happens and you feel that coming back up. So it can be renewed or shaken religious beliefs. So again, just a huge, huge variance in terms of what your experience might be like. And you might experience all those things or some of them and they might come and go and all of that is normal. But we want to really extend as much grace as possible as grief can just be so devastating. And in fact, it can it can bring up a lot of stress in our body. And so we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But just knowing that grief in and of itself can create a huge stress response. Hey, it's Jen. I just want to hop in here and tell you about something that we have coming up. My really good friend and colleague, Jillian Amaro, she's also a licensed professional counselor, and I have been working really hard on creating a virtual course. And this course is for mamas who need some support and a mental health reset. This course is going to start January 22nd. It's an eight-week online course. You can work through it at your own pace. But with it, during those eight weeks, you actually do get access to a community of like-minded women who are also wanting to improve their mental 
health and wellness. And so if you have been, you know, just burning the candle at both ends, especially during the holiday season and you're worn out and run down and you want to start this new year off fresh, I highly recommend you jump in and get signed up for our eight-week mental health reset for mamas. And currently uh, it is on sale, so it normally runs $2.97. We are currently running it for $1.97 for a limited time. So grab your seat. All you need to do is go to either the show notes or you can go to www.jenally.com. Thanks so much. Back to the show. So let's talk a little bit about the importance of support and community. You know, we are social creatures. We are social beings. And even if we're a person who's kind of pushing people away or we're kind of going at it alone, I think just knowing that there's people around checking in on us, making sure that we don't need anything. Um, You know, even I'm thinking about one of my clients who her child had died and one of her big frustrations and things, something that really upsets her. He's been, um, I think he died about 10 years ago. And one of the things that's been really hard is her family, her extended family during the holidays. They just kind of go about their normal holiday thing and no one really mentions him. And my hunch is it's because they are trying not to upset her, but I think the truth is, and maybe it would be lovely if some if we could communicate this to our people, but the truth is, is that she wanted his name to be spoken. She wanted him to be talked about. She wanted to feel like it was okay to bring him up. And so I think with people, if we can just really check in about what they need, and sometimes that might feel uncomfortable, but asking them, like, do you want to talk about your parent that died, or do you want to tell me a story about the holidays with your son when he was alive. And then that way we're, we're inviting that person into the room. We're saying, Hey, I remember, or I know this time, you know, must be a hard time. Do you want to talk about that? We're inviting that conversation, but we're still giving the other person the ability to say yes, or to say no, like, no, thank you. I don't want to talk about that. Or actually, yes, I would love to share a memory thank you so much for bringing him or her up. Like they're on my heart and mind all of the time. It means so much to me for you to like bring them into this space. So the, again, the importance of support can not be stated enough. That said, if you don't have people who can do that for you, you probably want to find a group or a therapist who can really be with you in the grief to help undo aloneness because There is so much power in connection and in experiencing empathy and feeling like we're not so alone. So a little kind of side note, there's something called social baseline theory. And it's just this idea that if we are looking at a mountain, but we are with a person and we are going to be hiking that mountain together, the mountain actually looks less steep than if we're doing it alone. Or if we're carrying a backpack, but again, we're with someone else, the backpack actually feels less heavy. I also sometimes think about it, about being like stuck in an elevator. And if you're stuck with someone, as long as you don't perceive that person as a threat, you actually feel way safer probably and way better being stuck in the elevator than if you were by yourself. So we are social creatures. Humans are our biome. 
We need other people and we need them while we're grieving. It reminded me of the story of the whales. I don't know if you remember this from a few years ago. The mama whale had lost her baby calf and she carried this dead calf for 17 days and over a thousand miles. But while she did that, some of the other whales in her pod would take turns carrying this deceased calf until the mama was finally ready to let him go or let her go. And I just thought of that beautiful picture and that powerful picture that like, I think grief would feel so different if instead of feeling so isolated in it, if we sort of came alongside of other people. And I'll be the first to say, despite the fact that this is what I do for work, you know, in my personal life, I think one of the hardest calls I ever had to make was to my friend whose child had died. I was just, you know, it's like in even my work, it's like I do this, but man, as a as a friend, really being with someone in that, and I definitely did it super imperfectly, and I think if I could go back in time, I would have done more, but I think I'm just really aware now of how important it is that when we're going through something dark, that we know that there's people who are talking about them, who are bringing them up, who are supporting us and being with us. So we're going to talk more about that in just a few minutes. So let's talk also a little bit about honoring memories and traditions during the holidays. You know, all of the time is a great time to remember if you have, you know, lost a loved one or if something hard is happening, to spend time journaling, to spend time being with your feelings. I actually encourage sometimes clients to like set a timer for 10 minutes just to really be with your feelings before you move about your day. But I think especially at the holidays is like kind of being explicit. Like, is there something important we want to do to remember this person? Is there a tradition or something that they loved, like making a specific meal that they loved or going a particular place or being out in nature or having a little kind of memorial for this person? Like, is there a tradition or ritual to really commemorate that person? I think sometimes people even, you know, like set a place setting for someone who has died. So again, what this looks like for you and what makes you feel more connected to that person might be different than the next person or might be different than how I would do it. We might also tell stories about our loved one. Again, we might want to have a tradition where we go around and share funny or silly or sad or interesting stories that we're able to really remember that person. But again, we want to take specific time to really give ourselves time to grieve and to engage with the person who has died, knowing that the truth is, is that that relationship can live on even after that person had died. And if you're grieving something different, like you're grieving the, or, you know, a divorce or something that has shifted in your family, I think just, again, spending that time with yourself or with other people to just help navigate that, to help be with those feelings instead of just trying to get over it is super helpful. And I also want to say that sometimes it's not possible. You know, when my, my grandma died on my 18th birthday and we were super close to her and when she was dying, she wasn't a super touchy-feely kind of person. And she, <laughs> I was crying and sitting on her bed. I'm kind of laughing about it now because it's kind of like a funny story, but 
just to kind of articulate that it's not always possible to like share our grief with that person. So we knew she was dying and we would be crying and she would say, quit your damn crying. And she wasn't being mean. That was just kind of her way, you know? And, but I think like she had really accepted, I think that she was sick, but she also really wasn't able to like be with us in it. And so, you know, we shared a lot of stories after her death and we still sometimes will talk about her, um, with my family. But I think it's, it is true that like everyone's not going to be able to enter into your emotional experience, whether that's the person who is dying or whether that's a family member who, you know, had the same loss or death, like if your siblings or your partner, like you might not be able to be at the same spot. And so, but you do need to find people who you can talk about that with, who you can share that with. Before we move on to supporting others in their grief, let's talk about like, what are some coping strategies and self-care? So we've named some of the things already, like, you know, reaching out to other people that we, you know, can talk with, or maybe we need to seek professional care, professional help. We need to join some sort of grief group. But just some other things. I think it's really important to know that there's no timeline for grief and that grief changes over time. I think something that I've found helpful is to think about everything is sort of like oscillating all the time, right? And so it's important that we don't get stuck. And this might sound a little bit tricky, but so when possible, we want to kind of oscillate between intentional time grieving And then also being and doing in our lives and sort of building the sort of life that is continuing. And we won't always be able to do that. And I think that that takes time to be able to do that. But sometimes I find in my therapy practice with clients that people either really distract and avoid, which is a stuckness, right? It's like they're completely avoiding or distracting from their grief. Or sometimes people are ruminating so much that they are not at all living their life now. And I'm not saying that that's bad or good. I'm just saying that it can become problematic when we become really stuck. And so there's something about this like moving back and forth between grief and then living our life, grief and living our life as we begin to kind of have this emergence or this Um, integration of the loss experience or the grief experience into our life. And again, that takes time. It's not going to look the same for everyone. We don't want to be hard on people if they are stuck. In fact, we want to be really compassionate, but we might also express in that case, like, Hey, like I'm a little bit concerned about you. But I think again, we just want to offer mostly a lot of grace as people are navigating their grief and even a lot of grace and compassion for ourselves. So something that happens is as we are in relationship with our grief, emergence happens. And developmentally and across time, we begin to experience the grief differently, but it will still hurt, right? It doesn't mean that it will be completely pain-free. We have this kind of maybe false notion that healing means we're over it. I don't think that's what healing means. I think it means that the relationship with it changes over time. So... I'm just encouraging you that as you're in grief, just be with what comes up, grieve, spend time with it, seek support. And and that's, I think, all we can really do. 
take good care of yourself, right? We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but we want to try to take care of ourselves as we navigate this. So I will also link this in the show notes, but just some ideas for taking care of yourself if you're in grief and loss. Again, remembering there's no right or wrong way to feel or to think about it or to be. Give yourself permission to cry, to talk about it, to write, to do physical activities, to get it outside of your body. Just all kinds of ways to express your feelings or your thoughts. Reach out to people that you trust and that you feel like can hold space for you. It is likely that they're not going to know what you need. So if possible, you might tell them. Like you might say, hey, I don't want you to say anything back to me, but I just want to tell you a story about my person. Or I know I've told a story 15 times. I really just need to talk through it again. Super, super helpful if we can tell our people what we need if we know how to communicate that. You can also write to heal. You might write to your person. You can do kind of a free flow journal where anything that comes to mind, like a, like a free write for five minutes can be really helpful just to externalize those feelings. I know one of my clients, she always makes these really beautiful um, journals that have pictures and drawings and all kinds of things. So you can find really creative ways or even, you know, photo or, you know, memento kind of books to help you recall details or to help you work through your feelings. You might try expressive arts, so things like drawing, painting, making pottery, creating a collage. Because again, grief is not something that is left-brained. It's not intellectual. It's something that we feel actually, you know, throughout our entire body, but it's very much a relational thing. And so if we can use some of those expressive arts, that can be really helpful. We said before, grief can put so much stress on your body. And so while it might be really hard to care for yourself, especially in the early days of grief, when you can eat a healthy and balanced diet, if you can get physical activity, get outside, get enough rest, try to manage your stress, set aside time for yourself, maybe learn relaxation techniques. There's also some really great things in terms of um, completing the stress response cycle. And that comes from the book Burnout by the Nagoski sisters. So I will link that as well in the show notes. But again, there's no way to do this perfectly, right? Like you're not going to be able to take perfect care of yourself because it's really, really hard. But if you can focus on yourself and to know that that's not selfish, but that that's an important part of caring for yourself while your body is going through this grief process. You also will want to try to avoid use of alcohol and drugs. Alcohol is a depressant, right? It can make you feel even more depressed after drinking than you did beforehand. And maybe this one is actually super important, which is during the holidays, setting boundaries. Like it's okay to say no. It's okay to even kind of change your mind last minute. Not that we're setting out to be, you know, rude or disrespectful or uncaring, but knowing that if you are early in the grief process, but even if you're, you know, if you're in the middle of grief, it is really hard sometimes to know what you're going to need or what you're going to want in a week or two. And so being able to say no to something or someone and also saying yes and asking for what you need is really important. So again, I'll link some of those self-care strategies in the show notes. So let's now shift gears and talk a little bit about how do we support other people through grief during the holidays. And I think just all of the information in the first half of this episode is probably really good because 
now hopefully you know something about grief or you've thought about it in a different way or thought about it more um, to know to kind of what to anticipate or to even know that like you don't know what to anticipate if someone you love is grieving and to be more open and curious to what they're going through. But let's talk about some practical things of like, what do we say and what do we not say to somebody who's in grief? And again, a lot of the things we're not supposed to, we shouldn't say, they come from a good place. They come from a caring place, but they're not super helpful because it's, it's just not helpful to the person who is experiencing grief. So Things, of course, you don't want to say things like, well, I'm glad it was you and not me because you're so much stronger. Or we don't want to put time limits on it like, well, time will heal all or life goes on or you'll get through it. Be strong. Because, again, those things can be really painful to the person who's going through it. We don't want to think we're going through something because we're strong, right? Also, we, if, you know, even if you're a person of faith, I think it's hard to hear things like, this was God's plan or this was God's will or she or he's in a better place or God must have wanted her there as one of her his angels because she was such a good person or if your if a child dies you're young you can always have another child also something that's upsetting to people are things like I know exactly how you feel or I can really imagine what you're going through or, well, it was just their time to go, or a, a really common one. Everything happens for a reason. So again, we don't want to put any sort of time restraints on it. We don't want to put judgments. Or I think there's a sense of like, it, it, like after Columbine happened, I remember the question that just everyone was like trying to figure out is like, why did this happen? And, you know, my two cents about that is that I think we as humans try to figure out why something happened because if we can figure out why we can try to like protect ourselves from it. So instead we want to say things like, I'm so sorry, or I don't know what to say. I'm here for you. Or you guys are in my thoughts and prayers and that can get overdone too. But I think it's just a sentiment of like, I'm here. I'm thinking about you. If you ever want to talk about it, I'm here you know, you can reach out, you can text, you can call, but again, without expectation of anything in return, you're not expecting that that person's going to tell you about it, but you're saying, I'm here if you want to talk. Finally, maybe it's just important to know that part of supporting people in their grief just means being flexible and understanding that there's going to be a variety of responses that they might have. And just trying to offer, as we said, patience and flexibility as we provide support and also just respecting boundaries and understanding that everyone copes with grief differently and they likely are going to be coping with it differently than you might or than you might think you would. And of course, we might need to encourage that person to seek professional support, particularly if we are starting to be concerned by, you know, some of their behaviors, maybe their using drugs or alcohol, you know, excessively to numb, or we see that they're, you know, getting into a really, really, really dark depression, or they're having, you know, feelings of suicidality, or they're just really struggling over time to take care of themselves. I think that we might encourage them to get professional support while also being, you know, respectful of what their needs are. So now, of course, I want to also encourage you that if you are in grief yourself and you are struggling 
and you are needing guidance and support, that it is really important. I think having professional therapy or having a support group of a support group of some kind can be so so helpful. And also, a support group can be really helpful because it can help really normalize your experience and help you feel less alone. A lot of times, hospice. Um, like your local hospice might have even low cost or free bereavement groups. And so again, these things can be really, really helpful. So just to wrap up today's episode, if you are in grief, know that I am thinking about you. I'm sending care your way. It is really difficult during the holidays. And just to kind of, again, normalize that there are a lot of different responses and experiences around grief and your job, if you are in grief, is to just to take good care of yourself and to try to set up habits or rituals or practices that feel nurturing and supportive to you to ask for what you need when possible. And if you are in relationship with someone who is grieving, that you just try to be flexible and supportive and compassionate and not put your own timelines or your own judgments on the other person, but that you're just kind of recognizing that they're in a tough spot and your job is just to kind of show up in more tangible, practical ways or just to offer kind of support. But also really, if there's one thing I could say is like naming the thing, like let's not make grief the elephant in the room. Let's just like name it. Let's say like, hey, I've been thinking about you. I know your mom died last year. I'm wondering what it's like for you this year. And really be willing to hold space for that other person. And it might be uncomfortable for you, right? Because to have empathy, I have to touch that feeling in me that knows what that's like. And so that is tricky and that can be painful and it can be uncomfortable. But I just really encourage you to practice empathy, to practice holding space for the people in your lives. And let's just make grief more of a normal part of life that like, it is part of loving people. It is part of having our hearts broken. It is part of just dealing with painful experiences. And that through support and compassion and kindness, I think that is how we can navigate it really well. And so anyways, if you found today's episode helpful, I would mean so much to me if you could like and share it as we are trying to get the word out about the podcast I will look so forward to seeing you back next Wednesday. I do hope that you have a good holiday season and I'm just wishing really good things for you. Thanks so much.